Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. You may be seated. Can you guys help me thank the worship team for leading us this morning? Always great to... To worship with you guys. My name is Ricky Hemi. Great to be with you guys this morning. Thanks for joining us online. Thanks for joining us in person. We're going to jump into a, a cool passage today. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 3. I'm going to pray and then I'll introduce our, our passage for today. God, I thank you so much for the people in this room. I thank you so much for just providing for us, meeting our needs. And I pray, God, that your spirit would just move in our hearts and lives today. We're, we're here for you, God. We want you, we want more of you in our lives, more of you in our kids' lives, more of you in this community, and so we just surrender to you now and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So just a reminder, you guys already heard from Marcus, but this Friday is a special event on our campus called Fifth Quarter. Are you guys excited for that? We're going to have a ton of students. We're partnering with Lamore High. They're going to come to our campus, get to know our campus a little bit, and then we're going to launch our youth group in a few weeks. October 27th, our youth group will launch over in the chapel, and we are way, way excited for it. The other thing that we're doing that's coming up right around the corner, another exciting event, is our candy walk. Marcus mentioned our candy walk. That's October 29th. We only need five more cars for the candy walk. So if you're interested in decking out your car, getting dressed up, bringing your friends and family, we'd love for you to sign up for that. And we also need other volunteers, people to help people get across the street, security, things like that. So if you'd like to help us with candy walk, we'd love to have you helping us with candy walk. And, and I'm mentioning those because today we're actually, today's kind of a special day because we're going we're gonna to talk about something that's, that's kind of a challenging topic. It's, it's not something that I'm going to claim to be a, a professional at this morning. Okay, this is something that I'm learning about, that I'm growing in, but today our topic is on parenting, okay? Our topic is parenting, and it's also, we're also going to talk about the importance of investing in the next generation. And so just a side note, as we get ready to jump into this, I want you to know today, I don't claim to be the parenting expert. Okay, I told my wife, I was talking on parenting, and she's like, why, are we like experts on parenting? I'm like, no. It's okay. We, we don't have to be experts to talk about it. I don't, I'm not an expert on it. I did study counseling, kids counseling, addiction counseling, all of those things in seminary. So I have, and I worked in youth ministry for over 10 years. Uh, so I do have a lot of experience in this. But I, what I want you to know is that th- this is something that we, this is a, I'm a work in progress. And odds are, so are you. Regardless of where you are as a parent, whether you have little ones in your house or big ones in your house, or they've left your house, odds are you're still learning how to parent. Can I get an amen? We're all learning how to be parents. Okay, now, so I don't have this totally figured out, okay? I'm still working on basic math with my kids. Some of you are worried about, you know, your kids graduating college right now. I'm worried about whether my, my son is going to make it through the night uh, without, you know, climbing in my bed, okay? So we have different worries. We have different worries. But Although I may not have everything, all the answers about parenting, I do know what the Word says about parenting. And, and I want to share with you some basic principles that our students need to have, that we as parents need to have, some lessons that we could learn, lessons we can impart to our children. 
And so if you have a child or a teenager or a young adult, then today's for you. If you are a child or a teenager or a young adult, then today is for you. And some of you feel like children still. I don't know. Or t- teenagers still. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you feel that way. If you, ha- if you are that, you, this is for you. If you're at all interested in caring for and investing in the next generation, then today is for you. Now, let me begin, though, with a quick little history on me. So I, I'm new here. You guys are just beginning to get to know me. So here's a little kind of backstory on me, how I came to know Jesus. So I didn't know Jesus growing up. Okay, prior to about the age of 18, I, I lived a life far from God. I, I didn't care about the things of God. I just kind of did things my own way. I was pretty lost. You guys heard my ticket story. Pretty embarrassing, right? You guys heard the story? I mentioned I didn't have the Holy Spirit during that time. I was not kidding, okay? I was, I was a lost teenager, and I had great parents. I had great people around me, but I made a lot of mistakes growing up. Well, at the very end of my high school career, God used some very challenging circumstances in my life and also the love of my mother to draw me to himself. I went through kind of a challenging time. For 18 years, my mom had been investing in me, uh, giving me godly instruction, modeling godly character, praying for me, even bringing me to worship, to worship here and there. And, and it took 18 years for me to finally say, okay, God, I'm all in. 18 years. And then when I did, though, everything changed dramatically and rapidly. Okay, so at 18 years old, I bow my knees to Jesus. I say, I'm all in. And knowing Jesus and making him known at that moment in time became my greatest aim in life. And, And when I came to Christ, my parents, they were super shocked. They weren't just shocked that I came to Christ, but they were shocked by how radically my life changed in a short amount of time. Okay, I stopped making a lot of the bad decisions I was making. I started loving people. I started actually having a little bit of humility and not being so selfless or selfish all the time. I, I began to change as the Holy Spirit came into me, worked on me. I started to change. And one thing that really shocked them is that all of a sudden, I had a passion for learning. So like many kids growing up, I, I constantly struggled in school. And it wasn't because I, I couldn't do school. It's just because I didn't really like school. But all of a sudden, I become a Christian. And I had this like strong, strong craving to learn about God. And so I signed up for Bible college. And then when I finished Bible college, I signed up for seminary. And then when I finished seminary, I signed up for a doctoral program with Dallas Theological Seminary. And I'm about to graduate from that in a few months. So that's, that, that is not, that is all God. That's not me. Okay. I struggled in school my whole life. I just struggled and struggled and struggled. Then I became a Christian and I'm like, man, I want to know everything about God. I want to know as much as I can about the world because I want to be used by God to do big things for him and impact the lives of those around me. My parents were shocked. Well, immediately after I became a Christian and started learning during that whole time, I I jumped into ministry. I started serving in the church I served for 15 years. I've been serving in ministry for 15 years. Ten of those years were with students and, and, uh, and kids. 
The other five years, I was doing some, some kind of high, like high-level executive pastor stuff. And, and what was happening in my church where we had this amazing youth group, amazing kids ministry, hundreds and hundreds of, of students coming every week. And what we were seeing in my church is all these kids were coming to Christ. And as kids were coming to Christ, parents were coming to Christ, entire families were coming to Christ. And that story is not unique to my old church. I know that that story happens here. We have an amazing kids ministry over there. Amen. Ron and his team, they do an incredible job investing in our kids. We're actually going to have baptisms in a few weeks. We already have over a dozen people signed up, uh, signed up to get baptized. And, and two of the families, are, two of them are a family of five getting baptized together. Okay, So sometimes entire families come to Christ. We're seeing that right now. We saw that at my old church. I loved it. We're investing in youth, getting that up and running. And, and here's why I'm sharing this with you. I share this with you. Because when I became a Christian, I felt a heavy burden to invest in youth. I felt a heavy burden to invest in the next generation. Because what happens within this little bubble of time, while we're children, while we're adolescents, and even into our young adult years, what happens in that little bubble of time has a dramatic impact on the trajectory of our lives. The childhood, adolescent years are some of the most opportune years of life. They're a time of focused learning, growing, and developing into who God made us to be. And so today's sermon is titled, The Age of Opportunity. Our students live in the age of opportunity. Your kids live in the age of opportunity. Your teenager, your young adult, they live in the age of opportunity. There's so much that can happen within this bubble. So many good things, so much development, so much growing in the right environment with the right kind of things around them. They can develop into something that we could have never imagined, their full purpose in God. And so I want to talk today about that age, the age of opportunity. And I want to talk about investing in the kids in your household, under your roof. And investing in the students who come under this roof, who come under the chapel's roof, who come under the classroom's roofs over there. Everybody coming onto this campus, what's it look like to make the most of the age of opportunity? Well, to answer this question, we're going to look at a proverb written by a father to impart wisdom to his son. Proverbs 3, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. He says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. They'll prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So this passage today identifies three things that every kid needs in order to thrive in the age of opportunity. Same lessons that my mom taught me as I was growing up. So lesson number one is this. Every kid needs godly instruction. Every kid needs godly instruction. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart. They'll prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Now, you're going to notice in this passage, there are two parts to every verse. Okay, there's, there's a command which comes from the father to the son, and it's stated first, 
And then after the command is a subsequent reward. Okay, if you do this, here is the reward. So command number one is, my son, don't forget my teaching. Now, parents, we have a lot to teach our kids, right? And some of our kids take on to our teaching better than others. Some are much easier than others. I have a daughter who's like so easy to teach. And I have a son who's a little wild donkey boy, we call him. He, he just like kicks back at everything. Okay? He's, he's a little more challenging to teach. But we have a lot to teach our children. We, we're teaching them about life. We're teaching them about sports. We're teaching them about, you know, becoming a Seattle Seahawks fan, things like that. Um, we're teaching. <laughs> we got Raiders fans here, right? Lots of Raiders fans. And I think we have a lot of Oakland fans around here as well, right? Okay, and some Cowboy fans. I know Frank and some others are some Cowboy fans. So we have a lot to teach our kids. You know what's crazy, though? This dad, when he's thinking about teaching his kids, there's one thing at the top of his list. The, The thing that's at the top of his list is that his child would know the Word of God. That's his number one life lesson. His concern, his first biggest concern for his child is that his child would get biblical teaching from him. And the reason I know this to be true is because the word translated teaching is Torah. It's the word law. Torah. The first five books of the Bible, what do we call that? The Torah. This father, when he thinks about his son, the, the, the primary teaching that he wants his son to have, even though one day he wants him to grow up to be a Seahawks fan, and one day he wants his daughter to, you know, I don't know, do something cool with her life, whatever it is, there's all these cool things we want to teach our kids, be kind, be gracious, be hospitable, all those things. But the one thing that he wants most of all is for them to know Torah, to know the word, to, to be instructed in, in, in godliness. The father is essentially saying, son, don't forget God's word. Hide God's word in your heart. Okay, this is, this is reminiscent of Psalm 119.9. This is what it says. It says, how can a young man stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Our kids need God's word. Our kids need God's word. And so parents... This is a reminder to us to know God's word, to spend regular time in God's word, to find creative ways of instructing our kids in God's word. Our kids need God's word. When he's talking to his son, he's saying, son, first and foremost, you know what you need? You need to know the word. That's what you need first and foremost, because it's no secret that our students are constantly bombarded with all kinds of different worldviews and belief systems. If they're not learning God's word from mom and dad, then they're going to learn something else from somebody else. There's so many belief systems coming at our kids through social media, through video games, the news is trying to tell them what to believe. Government-sponsored curriculum is trying to tell them what to believe. There are Their friends are trying to tell them what to believe. There's so many things coming at our kids. Social media, all of these different things, worldview systems that are competing worldview systems. And the voice that they need to be trained to hear the loudest is God's voice. God's voice in their lives. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us through his what? His word. Through his word. And so parents... Raising kids who are wise means raising kids who are bathed in the word. 
raising kids who know the word. And, and it may take years for them to, for it to get into them to where one day when they're pricked, they actually bleed Bible. It may take years to get them there. But be persistent in training them in the word because that's where wisdom comes from. So, so Proverbs is all about wisdom, right? Proverbs is all about wisdom. The question, though, is what exactly is wisdom? What is wisdom? Well, wisdom in the book of Proverbs is living skillfully. Would you guys agree to the fact that living life takes skill? Is it a skill to build relationships? Is it a skill to, to be good with your money? Yeah. Is it a skill to, you know, uh, have a strong work ethic and to, to be a good worker at your, at your uh, employers? Yeah. All these things that we care about in life take skill, managing money, becoming self-aware, being a leader, being an influencer. All the things that we do in life, they take skill. Wisdom is being skilled at the different areas of life. Parents in the Bible value wisdom. And when they think of their kids, they say, man, I want Johnny, I want Blake to be skilled at everything that they put their hands to. I want them to be skilled at school, be skilled at sports, be skilled at making friends, be skilled one day in marriage, be skilled with their money. I want them to be skilled. And here we're seeing that, that wisdom, it, sharing God's word, investing in our students, teaching them in, in, in Torah is one way to, to enforce wisdom reinforce wisdom and build skill in their lives. And there's a reward attached to this. He says, applying God's word will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Did you hear that? That's the reward. The reward is this. Son, do things God's, God's way and you'll have a full and prosperous life. That's the reward. There's an important word in this passage. It's the word shalom. We've talked about this word before. Shalom. Shalom means peace or wholeness. Blake, you want peace in your life? You want wholeness in your life? John, you want peace in your life? You want wholeness in your life? Then do things God's way. Learn from God. Submit to God. Trust God. That's the path of peace and wholeness. Now, just a way for you to remember this word, this first letter, the sheen right here in the Hebrew. Uh, it's actually, uh, it, so it, there's a cool thing, story with this Spock. You guys, any Star Trek fans? I think I have a picture of Spock, do we? Do we have a picture of Spock? Yeah, there we go. Okay. So this, live long and prosper, was inspired by that word shalom. That, that the sheen kind of looks like this, this V in Spock's hand. Okay, so that's shalom. When you think of shalom, think of Spock. Live long and prosper. That's what we want for our kids, right? We want our kids to live long and prosper. Well, he's saying that kids, if you, if you want to live long and prosper, son or daughter, if you want to, if you want to make the most of your life, then, then have godly instruction, submit to the Lord, and, and come under the teaching of the Lord. And, and the, parents, this is where we come in. God has ordained us to be the primary teacher, teachers and coaches in our kids' lives. Godly instruction comes first and foremost from us. And it's never too late to start teaching our kids the word. Doesn't matter if they're little, doesn't matter if they're teens, doesn't matter if they're young adults, it's never too late. The second lesson in this proverb is this, every kid needs to learn to develop godly character. Listen to what he says. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So the command here is, let love and faithfulness 
never leave you. There's another important word in this passage, and it's the Hebrew word chesed. Chesed means loyal love, unfailing kindness, devotion. It's a word used to describe God. God is chesed. And so the father is encouraging his son to commit to growing into godliness, to love like God. He says, when, when he says, bind love and faithfulness around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. He's essentially saying, choose daily to grow in godly character. Imagine a world where our kids loved like God. Imagine that. Where they brought the love of God to social media. Where they brought the love of God to their classrooms. Where they brought the love of God onto the sports field. Whatever they were doing, they carried with them the love of God. He's saying, take godly love with you everywhere you go. And with that being said, I want to remind you, growing in godly character, for our kids to grow in godly character, for us to grow in godly character, it takes teamwork. Okay, parents, you're not alone in developing your kids. I'm encouraged by the fact that not only do I get to teach my kids in the word and in the Lord at home, but I also get to drop them off next door and they're going to hear from Ron and his team how to grow in godly character. And I want you to know if you have a teenager, you're not alone in, in, in ushering that child to grow in godly character. We have a youth group on Wednesday nights to assist you, to help you. We want to come alongside you. But this is also a reminder that us parents, we are the primary teachers and coaches in our kids' lives. God has entrusted them to us. Every child we have needs to, to, know the, to be trained in the world. Every child we have needs to be trained in what it means to live out a godly life. And so as parents, not only do we need help with our, bringing them to kids ministry, bringing them to youth ministry, but we need our own help as well that we grow in godly character. That's why when Pastor Seth talked last week, he talked about small groups and the value of being connected to other believers. Okay, if, if you think that you're going to get by all on your own and be all that you can be all by yourself, you're only going to fool yourself and discourage yourself. God didn't intend for you to do this Christian walk alone. He, he wants you to have other godly men and women around you, helping you as a parent, praying for your kids, investing in you, bringing out the best in you. And so let me ask you, who is shaping you as a parent? Who's shaping you? What is shaping you? And who is shaping your kids? What is shaping your kids? Are the people in your life helping you grow in godliness? Or are they pulling you away from the Lord? Are the people in your kids' lives helping them grow in godliness? Or are they pulling them away from the Lord? Who we surround ourselves with has a, a lot to do with how we develop in our character, how we develop in our walk with the Lord. We've been hearing this since we were little kids. We know that, but sometimes we forget we need others. We can't do this alone. Your student needs others in the student ministry. Your kid needs others in the kids ministry. Others who love the Lord and can do this life with them. Because, because here's the thing. We are influenced by the group. And if the group pulls in a bad direction, then oftentimes we follow in that direction. It's just human nature. It reminds me of a story I just came across, or I came across this a long time ago, but I re recently reread it. It's a book written by St. Augustine. Have you guys heard of St. Augustine? He writes around 300 AD. And he, he shares this story from his childhood, a story that's still true today. He talks about the influence of friends and how powerful friends can be for good or for bad. 
And he said one day he was walking through a field when he saw a, a pear orchard on the side. And him and his friends, they saw this pear orchard. They must have been walking through Lamore, right? Because there's like plants everywhere, growing things everywhere. Okay, where I was at, nothing grew. You put something in the ground, it died. Over here, it's like everything just grows like magically out here. It's awesome. So he's walking through this field. He sees this pear orchard. Him and his friends, they know that this pear orchard is a source of income for a family. Okay, they didn't have farming equipment. This was 300 AD. They didn't have all this, this way, these ways of, you know, generating lots of pear orchards. They had what they had and that was it. Well, these guys together, they decided, you know what? We need, to do, we need to make some trouble today. So they went over to every tree. They pulled every pear off of every tree, threw it on the ground, and squished the pears. That's what they did. And recalling that situation, this is what he says. He says, my pleasure that day was not in the pears. It was in the crime itself, done in association with a sinful group. Alone, it would have given me absolutely no pleasure, nor would I have committed it. But friendship can be a dangerous enemy. And here he's pointing out that who we associate ourselves with matters. Because the people around us either spur us on to godly, godliness or they spur us on to godlessness. I was at the, the park yesterday with my, my son John. When we got to the park, I noticed that, that people had poured soda all over every slide so the kids couldn't go down the slides anymore. And then they took ketchup and put it on all the railing. And then they, they uh, broke glass and put it on the uh, wood chips. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm disturbed, obviously. So me and my son, we go home, we get some trash bags and some cleanup supplies. And we come and we clean the whole place up. Because I want my kids to play there. I want it to be safe for other people. But as I was thinking about it, as we were cleaning this up, there's no way that just one kid did this on his own. There's no pleasure in just doing that on your own. This is, this is a group who, who just wanted to do something bad, just for the sake of doing something bad. And I care about them, and I, I hope I meet them one day so I could be kind to them and say, hey, man, that wasn't cool, but you need Jesus, whatever the case might be. But I, I want to meet them one day. But here's the thing. Who we surround ourselves with matters because it takes a village to grow godly character. It takes a village. And so here's the reward of godly character. He says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Johnny, you know why I want you to have godly character? You're going to win favor. My prayer for my kids since they were little, they're still little. They're only six and five. But my prayer for them has always been, God, may they grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with you and man. That's been my prayer. Because when God's favor is on our kids' lives, nothing is impossible for them. Opportunities come, doors open up, all kinds of amazing things happen. When they have favor with God and a good name, a good reputation, somebody that's respectable, people respect people of character. If your character is questionable, then it's going to be hard to succeed in life. If your character is strong, then, then there's all kinds of opportunities that come along with it. And so parents... Are we focused on developing our kids' character? Or are we distracted? We see from this father he wants godly instruction for his kids. We see from this father that he wants godly character in his kids' lives. 
And, and one thing that we need to remember as parents, and I'm not, I'm not the expert, okay? I'm just learning. Some of you guys are way further down this road than me. But one thing I want to just remind you is that we got to be careful because our idols, our character flaws, often become the character flaws and idols of our kids. And so it's easy to become distracted by the busyness of life, to forget that we as parents, we're being watched every day. And, it's, it's, and, and the ultimate goal of parenting is, is even when we mess up, that we're always pointing our kids to Jesus. Some days we're going to kill it as parents in a good way, not a bad way, okay? Some days we're going to kill it. Other days we're going to struggle. But at the end of the day, when we're doing well and we're doing poor, we could always point our, our kids to Christ. This is what Paul Tripp says about parenting, the goal of parenting. He says, the goal of parenting is to raise children who are once totally dependent on us to be independent, mature people who are able to stand on their own two feet. Parents should strive to be used of God to instill in their children an ever-maturing self-control through the principles of the word and to allow them to exercise ever-widening circles of choice, control, and independence. And he goes on to say this, Thus parents must die to self. That's parenthood. When I think about our church, when I think about the next generation of our church, I think that this has to happen for us. There has to be a willingness for us to die to ourselves and to, and to value the kids and to value the students. Not that we, we stop doing all the amazing things we're doing here, but, but we also, we, put a, we, put a, we, we really value investing in, in doing whatever it takes to see our kids know the Lord, to see Lamore High School know the Lord, to see Liberty know the Lord, to see the students around us know the Lord. That's why we do things like Candy Walk, okay? Candy Walk isn't just to give out cavities to kids. <laughs> candy Walk is to get kids on our campus and let kids know we want them here. And we love them and we love their families. That's why we do things like candy walk. And so parents, we, the, thus parents must die to self, give up their rights, consider others more important than themselves. They shouldn't use their children as pawns in their quest to be successful and to live their lives vicariously through their teenagers. Horizontal parenting, a focus on a young person's performance or on a parent's hard work or the reputation of one's family should be replaced by attention being given to the vertical dimension of parenting, God's grace being at work both in the lives of parents and in the lives of their sons and daughters. That's what we want to see happen. Finally, lesson number three, every kid needs to cultivate their own personal relationship with the Lord. So you don't need to be a pro at parenting to do any of these things. You don't need to be a pro at parenting to teach your kids the Bible. You don't need to be a pro at parenting to model godliness the best you can by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you don't need to be a pro at parenting to encourage your child to cultivate his or her own relationship with the Lord. Listen to what he says. He's saying, son, trust in the Lord. This is what it looks like to cultivate your own relationship. Son, daughter, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't worry about what social media says. Don't worry about what the news says. Don't worry about how your feelings might be guiding you in, in some weird direction. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to God, and he will make your paths straight. The command here is, is son, daughter, trust in the Lord by leaning on him. 
And to, to lean on God, it means to depend on God. Okay, when you lean on something, you're relying on that thing to hold you up. And so the picture here is like this. I'm leaning on the pulpit right now. I'm leaning on this table. Leaning on this, I'm saying, you know what? This is my rock. If this was pulled out, I'd fall down. If this would pull out, I'd, I'd smack my face on the ground. I'm going to lean on you. You define me. You guide me. You, you love me. You are for me. God, I lean on you. And the good news is that leaning on God, if our kids learn to lean on God, they'll never regret it because God never fails. He cannot break. He, can, he, he, can, he will never fail. And he loves our kids more than we love our kids. And he has better plans for our kids than we even have for our kids. And so we teach our kids, lean on him. And so students, for the students in the room today, I want to ask you just, just an honest question. Who or what are you leaning on today? Do you lean on God or are you leaning on something else? Some of you, you're leaning way too much on social media. And you're letting likes and, and followers and video views define you. And, and if, if they're not high enough, the numbers aren't what you want them to be, you're unsatisfied. I'm just telling you, that is something that is going to crumble underneath you. It's never going to satisfy you. Or maybe you've learned to lean on a substance of some kind. But in reality, it's just going to rob your joy. Or maybe you've learned to lean on being cool as your rock. But, but reality is being cool is just a bunch of quicksand. Some of you might think that a relationship with this guy or with this girl is what's going to make you feel loved. But no human being can perfectly love you like Jesus does. And that's only things that you can learn through the word. And when your parents teach you the word and model the word, when they, when they walk with you in the word and they show you that this, we have to lean on God because that is where growth and life change happens. And what is the reward here? He says that he'll make your paths straight. That's what we want for our kids, right? We want their kids, their paths to be straight. We want them to have as few uh, dips and turns and uh, valleys as possible. We want them to live a, a path that is straight. And, and this path is, is the path of life. It's a path with, with less regret, with less heartache. Doesn't mean that there isn't pain. Doesn't mean that they won't face trials. But on God's path, there's always a purpose, there's always a plan, even in the pain, even in the problems. He's always working together, everything together for their good and for his glory. And so they learn to lean on the Lord. And so this last command, in closing, is a reminder that although we as parents can do everything right, let's say pretend for instance that we did everything right as a parent. We never did anything wrong to harm our kids. We always responded perfectly. Even in the perfect environment, our kids leaning on the Lord, that's on them. We can't force them to do that. And so parents, I just want to remind you today, God calls you to do the best you possibly can. To teach your kids in the word, to model the word, to, to model love, to, to model following Christ, to be the best parent you could possibly be. But at the end of the day, their relationship with God is their relationship with God. And so I don't want you to feel like failure. I don't want you to feel discouraged. I don't want you to ever give up. Okay, they, we could do it all right, and, and they're in God's hands, and, and, and they have to make their own choices. But as far as we could do on our, on our part, we want to do everything we can to see our parents, our kids grow into the Lord. And so parents, hang in there. Keep fighting. Keep pushing forward. I know that many of you are making hard decisions right now as parents. 
I know that many of you are struggling through things right now as parents. And so with that in mind, we're going to pray for you in just a minute. But I want to give you three easy ways really quick to apply today's passage. Number one is pray with your kids daily. You want an easy application for Proverbs? Pray with your kids daily, out loud, at their bedside, around the dinner table, wherever you got to do it. Pray with them daily. Let them hear. Let them see your relationship with the Lord. Model it for them through prayer. Teach them about scripture through prayer. Number two, seek to model godly character and repentance. Seek. I didn't say model godly character and repentance. Seek to do it. You're going to have hard days. You're going to have ups and downs. Some days you're going to do this godly character thing really well because the spirit's going to be really moving in you and you're going to be like, that was awesome. The next day though, might not be the same story. And so what do you do when you fail? Well, you model repentance. Last week, I had to go into my kids' rooms as we were getting ready for bed, and I set them down, I looked them in the eyes, and I said, hey, I want you to know Daddy's really sorry for what he did back there. And it wasn't a show. I responded poorly to something my kids did. And, and, and so at, at the same time, I wanna, I, I, I'm bummed I didn't model godly character, but at least in that moment, I could model repentance for them. And, and model humility for them, saying, hey, I blow it, you blow it. We need, that's why we need Jesus. We had an awesome talk about the gospel that night. And finally, make worship a priority for your family. You want to see your kids grow into all they were created to be? Make Wednesday night worship a priority for the teenagers. Make Sundays a priority for our youth. Make candy walk and events a priority for us. Make Sundays worshiping as a family a priority for your family because this is where it all begins. And so we want to invest in the next generation. We want to invest in our kids. We want to invest in our youth. We want to invest in our young adults. We care about you parents. We love you parents. And uh, to close out today, we're actually going to pray for you parents. So I'm going to have Jonathan and John come out on the stage right now. I think Ron is in here as well. There's Ron. And so uh, I'm going to hand them the mic in just a moment. And uh, we just, we want to pray for you. Uh, We know that being a parent is not easy. And some of you may be, you're feeling extra pressure right now because of all the events around us in in the world today. And we just thought we'd take a moment to pray for you. So Jonathan's going to pray for parents of teenagers. John will, or Ron will pray for parents of kids. And John will pray for parents of uh, young adults. So let's go ahead and pray for them. Father, we thank you. The privilege it is to have a child, to teach a child, to come to this world, you designed that. When you were pulling these things off to make our kids, you were giving them to us and trusted us. As a parent, when you look at our kids, we should be reminded of God's goodness. But it's not easy. We have a world, Satan's on the prowl. He's looking to destroy. He's attacking the nucleus of family. The time that we spend in this world is robbing us from that as well. Father, I just want to lift up the parents in this room of children. We need to put that priority. This world's going to become what they are. Father, if we can get them on fire for you, if we can win their hearts over, what this world can become. We don't see that right now, but I believe that we can. So Father, I just want to encourage these parents as they're in the trenches and they're fighting each day and so, as the world's pushing against the decision they then want to make for their kids. This is what's right. And sometimes these things are being challenged, Father. 
just digging our cleats. Not to give up. Stay in prayer. Hannah did it. So many in the Bible did it. And the blessing that came from that, Father, was only you. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be a parent. We also invite you into our day as we're driving to school, dropping our kids off, just saying, I love you as they're going out the door, not to forget to maybe spend a moment and just pray with them and for them. It's in Jesus' name. God, I come before you, just lifting up every single parent in this room, every single parent here in this community, God, that you just continue to teach. Teach us, teach us a whole, how to invest in the students, how to invest in teenagers. And it could be a rebellious time, it could be a time where we just don't know what decisions to make, God. I just pray that you make it clear for us, God, that we can be able to demonstrate your love, to demonstrate your character, demonstrate repentance, demonstrate worship, and continue to teach our students, even when it seems like they might know everything already. You know, there's still much more to learn, God. I used to give us the patience to, to continue to invest in students, invest in discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect in your will in our kids' lives. To have that endurance, to have that I continue to run the race, not only in a relationship with you, but also to be those, those spiritual leaders in their kids' lives. God, whether they knew it or not, being a parent was such a high calling. It was a high responsibility. And he just ask that you continue to guide them well in this generation, in this time, in this, in this age, and in this time period, God, where, where it's so easy to stray away, so easy to go and, and, and accessible to fall to things so far deep that it seems like they can't get out, God. And I ask that the parents be that, that strength and that, and that hand to pick them up and say, it's okay, we love you, we're here, we're not going to turn your back on you, we're going to point you to Jesus. God, I ask that, that we continue to have this partnership between the youth group and the parents here, and that we can side by side build this generation up, build the next generation, the next leaders, the next pastors, the next worship pastors, the next just leaders of this whole community, God, together, that together we'll, have, we'll stand hand in hand and we'll change this city. church and the parents of teenagers and the youth and the next generation of this church God we love you so much and in Jesus name we pray dear Lord as we come before you we lift our hearts up to you Lord I pray for every parent in this room that is in that place that they've planted seeds into the hearts of their children and now their children are at a place where they're transitioning into living their faith out as adults. I pray for every young adult in this room, for every young adult online, who now has the challenge to live their faith. And as parents, we never let go. But we commit our children to you, Lord. 
you love them more than we ever could. We pray that you would speak to their hearts on a daily basis, that you would grow their faith and understanding of who you are, that you would grow their faith and understanding of the purpose they have in their life, that they would walk into their future with you at the front of it, that you would light their path, that you would guide them, that you would grow them, and that the seeds that were planted would blossom into a life lived for you, a life of impact. Lord, you would surround them with people who come alongside them and lift them up in times of need, who sharpen them as iron sharpens iron. And as the enemy wants to attack and take hope and joy away, that you would guard their hearts, you would guard their minds. As your word says, they would not be leaded into temptation, Lord, but they would be led into righteousness for you, for your namesake, Lord. That they would grow in their wisdom, stature, and favor in your eyes. Lord, that they would let your light shine. And as parents, help us to have wisdom on when to speak and when to listen. Help us to know when to let go and when to have our children run back to us with open arms. Because we know we can't control their life, Lord, but we know that you are the God of the universe. You can control all things. You speak more powerfully than anything in the world. So again, we commit them to you. We pray that you would be with them. We pray that you would be with each parent who here is learning to let go. We cannot live their faith for them. Let them live their faith for you. And again, grow in wisdom, stature, and favor for you, Lord. So again, we seek you and we thank you for this time. In your name, we pray these things. Amen. And I was going to do something. Yeah. This is like spur of the moment. Oh, oh, okay. Don't want you to throw you off. This is I'm a curveball for Ricky. But, but what I felt when Ricky was speaking that he's leaning on the table. Church, can I ask you to stand to your feet? And as a church with what we just heard, can we lift those words up that we closed with worship again? Christ alone, cornerstone. To me, that spoke to my heart going, that's the foundation. Can we do that? Let's lift those words up. Sing Christ alone, cornerstone. South Valley. We're going to start a new, yeah, thank you. We're going to start a new sermon series next week, six-week series. Excited for that. Please come, bring your family. We love you guys. Have a great week. We're going to be here to pray, to pray with you if you need prayer this morning. God bless. Have a great Sunday.